0: Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. <music> sitting on my in the seat beside me there I haven't gone heresy on head coverings but I I walked to church this morning I many walked to church this morning thank you (laughs) along the beach it was lovely and I covered the old bap now I turn to one John please first letter of John, chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, that which was from the beginning To you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ we write this to make our joy complete this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you god is light in him there is no darkness at all If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father and our defense, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in Him. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word in front of us, acknowledging that you are real, Lord Jesus, that you came to this planet, but you lived for all eternity before that, and will forever live in eternity beyond. And it's a wonderful uh, start, and then it gets frightening to us because it, it confronts our sinfulness talks about us walking with you and staying out of the dark and Lord so there's a challenge here too so we pray that your word would do all that only your word can do in our lives search us out give us hope confront us where we're going wrong and turn us around we pray in Jesus name amen Let me read you just one verse in 1 Timothy. And I was frantically trying to find where this verse was when it, and I was reading a concordance sitting there. It's very interesting, the concordance at the back of your Bible. Better reading the Bible, but if you need to find where something is, the back of my Bible, and I was trying to think of the key word, but listen to this. Paul says this, even though I was once a blasphemer. Let me start with verse 12 of 1 Timothy 1. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul said that although he once was something, he glad he, he wasn't that and he wasn't what he should be, but he knows he's moving in, in, in a direction. He's changing. And just before the, I went on holiday there, uh, there was a story on the news early in the morning as I was driving to work about a painting that has been found in Scotland. Now, if you're Scottish and somebody discovers that your painting is worth money, you must be ro- rubbing your hands together. But not only is your painting worth money, but when they x-ray it, they find that on the back of the canvas is an early portrait of Vincent van Gogh, a self-portrait he'd done, and he turned it over and painted on the other side. And so on the back of this valuable painting, there is something that might be even more valuable than the painting itself, but it's on the back. Vincent turned it over. Maybe he didn't like what he saw, and he painted something else. And, of course, your life's like that. You have been saved, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Christ has come into your life. And we need to look a wee bit about who he is, first of all. Who is this Jesus? And that's what John is telling us in this story. He really came now. He's confronting a heresy that says that Jesus was not really flesh and blood, he was just spirit, and he looked like he was in a body, but actually he was just a spiritual being. And as an apostle, and the last one alive, John is confronting this heresy in, in the first, very much alive in the first and second century. And he's saying, look, it's I saw him. And nobody can convince me that I didn't see him. Look at his words. He's a man, this is probably written between AD 85 and 95. John is a man in his 80s or 90s. His memory is precise. He's lived so close to Jesus all of the years since Jesus went to heaven. 60, 63 years maybe since Jesus left the earth, 62 years. At least 52 years since Jesus left and went into the clouds. John's writing this down. And he says, that which was from the beginning. Jesus, and that should alight your brain, if you're a Bible scholar at all, to the beginning. Where do we read that? Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. John says in his own gospel, Genesis said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus, he's saying, this Word of life was with God in the beginning. That's that which was from the beginning. Someone eternally says, Jesus, and he, he, he only uses this term, Word of life, once. It, it's, it's a term that means origin of life or meaning of life or life itself the very essence of life that's why he's trying to get to the mind of the jews who would use it about the essence of god god the word the the thing that tells us about god and he's talking to the greeks as well as they think about life and everything else and he's and he's saying a knowledge and he uses this idea of word of life Jesus being the word of life. And some are saying, but he was only a spiritual being. But John says, no, no. That which was from the beginning, eternally, forever lived. There was, there was never a time when he was not. And there will never be a time that, he, he will ne- that he'll stop being. But there actually was a time when he came into this world. There's a date, there's a time when Jesus arrived on the planet. The incarnation is real. Jesus really walked among us in flesh and blood. That's so important for us to grasp. Jesus said to his disciples, Luke chapter 24, after the guides had come back from the road to Emmaus. And while they were all talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you startled? Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as I as you see I have. When he had said this he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled, it is written about me and the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms. He was real. And this 90-something-year-old man, or maybe in his 80s, possibly in his 90s, is saying, look, I remember this clearly. That which was from the beginning, which we heard. What did he hear? He heard Jesus talking. He could remember the voice of Jesus. This is this is incredible. This is when you open your Bible and read this letter and read Peter and read others that were with Jesus. You've got someone who was actually with Jesus. That's why reading the Bible and reading the New Testament, reading these letters, is so inspiring. These are people that were with them. I heard him. He says I heard him talk. I heard him. I heard the stories. I heard him tell, I heard him preach the sermon on the mount. I heard him when he spoke to people, I heard how he spoke to people. I heard love in his voice. I heard him praying. In fact, I wrote down the whole prayer that he prayed to his father before he went to the cross. John 17. I wrote that down word for word. I heard him pray it to the Father. And I was thinking about this yesterday, and and it it says just before they went out to the Mount of Olives in Matthew's Gospel and in Mark's Gospel, they sang a hymn. John is saying here, I heard him, I heard him singing. People heard Jesus sing, incredible stuff, So so he heard him, he heard him with his ears And it was real, it wasn't wasn't some spiritual bluff, it was a real person. And then he says, and we, we have seen him with our eyes. And not only did he say we have seen him with our eyes, but we looked at him. They studied Jesus. They were with him for three years and they watched his every move. They knew exactly what Jesus was like. They saw the sort of person he was They saw that he was kind. They saw that he uh, was loving. They saw that he was real. They saw that there was no pretense in him. They saw that he was sinless, full of love and kindness, but sinless. And they saw him before he went to the cross, John saw him on the cross. The only apostle, I think, that, that watched it with, his, with Jesus' mother. He saw Jesus on the cross. And then he saw the resurrected Jesus afterwards. And he said, we, we have seen him with our eyes. We have looked at him. And I love this. And our hands have touched him. Imagine they walking shoulder to shoulder with Jesus each day down the road and imagine they they talked and they laughed and they told stories like any man did. And Jesus told them the most profound stories that anyone ever heard. And John says in his gospel, if everything that he said was written down, the whole world wouldn't be big enough to hold the books. So he must have heard an awful lot more than, we, than he ever wrote down, uh, and he says we walked with him and we heard him and we touched him. And John writes this as a disciple who Jesus loved, as he calls himself in his own gospel. He never mentions himself by name, uh, and he says and he talks. And he says we touched him. He actually reclined on Jesus' shoulder while they were at the Lord's supper. Is this stuff, is this testimony good? I would say it's the best. That which was from the beginning. The eternal Son of God who lived forever, but there was a moment in time when he came to earth, and we have heard him with our ears, we have seen him with our eyes, we have looked at him, and our hands have touched him. This we proclaim to you concerning the word of life, life itself, the origin of life, the essence of life, the very, how do you you put a hand on what life is? Jesus is life. Look what he says, the life appeared. So there was a moment when he did, there was a time when he wasn't here on earth. And then John says the life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life. And he's making the statement here that this is the one he's really talking about, the eternal son of God, the eternal life which was with the father and has appeared to us. we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. He said, I'm writing this so that you can have fellowship with us. But well, he has to tell you, first of all, who his fellowship is with. Because it's not fellowship with John that he really wants you to have. It's fellowship with who he's having fellowship with. Jesus, the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And what does this word fellowship mean? Well, there's a Greek word for it. One of the only few I can remember. When I say I know a little Greek, he owns a face and chip shop. It's okay. very, very nearly true. But Koinonia is the Greek word for this. It's used in classical Greek for a relationship of of a man and his wife, the closest relationship we can have on earth. And he's using it in in relation to God, and he's saying, we have fellowship, koinonia, with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And I write this, we proclaim this to you, What we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, fellowship with God, fellowship with Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And the first thing I need to ask this morning do you have that fellowship? Are you in a relationship with God? And the challenges are about to come, and I'm not questioning anybody's salvation. I, I, talk, I talk to myself here. John, John prayed all the stuff that we, we need to say to God every day. We're sinful. Are we walking with him? Is our fellowship with the Father and with Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, the one who lived forever and ever before he ever came to earth. And then he lived for 33 years as a man on earth. He only appeared when he was 30 years old. He spent the first 30 years in Out of the way, there was no paparazzi near him. We know very little about his life. He makes an appearance as a baby, of course, and he makes an appearance as a 12-year-old going down to Jerusalem to say that he has to be about his father's work. That's the one picture we know. And then he goes into his ordinary life for the next 18 years, and then he appears... As he walks, as he walked along the beach this morning, It must have been amazing when Jesus walked along the beach and he saw John and his brother James and Peter and Andrew sorting out their nets, and he said, "Leave your boats behind and follow me." And they left their boats and followed him. They started walking with Jesus. And it wasn't just a per. they didn't know the person they had started to follow. Of course, John the Baptist had said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so they started following this man. And they wouldn't have followed a ghost, would they? They followed a real incarnate Jesus Christ with flesh and blood. They wanted to be with him. And he's now 90 and he's looking back and he's saying, wow, the person we followed is none less than the eternal son of God. And our fellowship is with him. This is the essence of life. Why were you born? Why were any of us born? To have fellowship with God and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In that great prayer that John recorded for us, John 17, Jesus said this, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is the essence of life, to know God. The essence of being saved is not to go to heaven to live forever. That is eternal life, of course. But you weren't saved primarily to get out of hell and into heaven. You were saved to have a, a relationship with the eternal Son of God. And because you entered into a relationship with Him, His life came into live in you, and you have already become an eternal being. The reason you go to heaven and live forever is that you already have become an eternal being. And show it should be showing now in your life. Now here's the scary bit. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. The message they heard as they watched him, not only verbally but what they saw for three years, the message that they saw in picture and it's often much stronger even than the words. As an apprentice I I learned stuff from my journeyman, the guy that taught me the trade of machining more by watching him than what he told me and the things that he did and I I continued to do things that he did the way he did them and maybe some of them were even wrong. I, when there's something in my road or there's dust or something I can go that, and not everybody can do that see and, that's, <laughs> and that is a folded bit of paper but I learned that from this guy blowing swarf from a lave out of his road and you have to build it up and then you have to let it go right I just learned that by watching him that's silly It's a trick of the trade. People were watching me cleaning rooms, they were learning things, and I would say, Now, they'll not tell you this while you're being trained downstairs, but if you do this, it'll it'll make it easier for you. Just watch. These men watched Jesus for three years, and this was the message they picked up through watching him, and of course, through what he said. And all of those things that he spoke and all of those incredible things that he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone and when he looked up, there was nobody left but him and the woman. And he said, "As no one condemned you, dear? And, and she says, woman, and he, she says, no, Lord. And then he says, well, neither do I, but go and leave your life of sin. Things like that. And nowadays people use that phrase, out in the world and everywhere else, he who is without sin cast the first stone. They have no idea who maybe said at first, but Jesus said profound things to God all the time and it affected these apostles. So the things that he said and the things that he'd done, John is just about to actually bring it down and he's just about to boil it right down to its essence. Look, this is the message we heard from him. And declare to you, what is the message? God is light. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all now i could go off on a tangent and talk about the very first thing that god created was light and god said let there be light and there was light how important is light to us we can actually do very little in black darkness i remember being down a cave in engleton when i went to capenry and it's just actually down the road from kirby lawnsdale from where we stayed couple of weeks ago in the England caves and they take you right down into one of the caves and of course there's light and all around it and then they tell you to stand very still and they shout to the guy, hit the switch! And the guy hits the switch and the place goes dark. And the guy, the leader that's with you says, put your hand in front of your face and you try to find your, where did my hand go? <laughs> where is it? We put it front, And he says, can you see your hand? And you all go, no! And he says, well, you could stand here for a whole day and you'll not see your hand at all because it is pitch dark down here. There is no light. God is light. Imagine the absolute essence of what light is if it really gets into the darkness. It expels the darkness, but it exposes stuff that is in the darkness. I wear glasses, glasses are to help your eyesight, but they only help your eyesight if you've got light, they're not much use in the dark, but once you put them on in the light, and I do this, I I don't clean and work with my glasses on because I tried it once and the danger of them falling off and down a toilet frightened me, so I clean really, really well but I don't wear my glasses, only on special occasions. And sometimes when I put my glasses on, I see stuff that I missed because the light coming through this glass magnifies the wee tiny bits of dirt on sinks and marks and and smears, and then I can see them. And John says this, old John says this. This is the message we heard from Jesus and declare to you. In essence, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And why does he say that? Because he's just talked about us having fellowship with God and with his son Jesus Christ. And this shouldn't frighten you so much as it frightens frightens me when I read it every time. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. You can't actually... See, once, if, if we were to make this place pitch black and then put the light on, all the darkness would go away. You can't actually have the lights on and have a dark part of the room... And a light part of the room. Light lights up everything. So you can't actually walk with God in light and live in darkness at the same time. It's a lie. But because we're sinful, we fall into sin. And there's encouragement in this. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. What does that mean? It means that we're all sinners, but we've decided to walk with Jesus, and day by day, as we walk with him, do you know what actually happens? The light shows up a lot of our faults. And he's saying, if you want to have fellowship with Jesus, you need to walk with him. But but actually, be aware, because you're actually going to show up some stuff in your life that you wish wasn't there. But I'll tell you what, it's the best thing for fellowship with each other, too. Because it shows up faults in their life as well. But don't start picking on their faults, because, by the way, if you look closely enough, you've got enough faults of your own to be getting on with. And that's fellowship. We, we actually accept each other because we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. But we're walking with Jesus. And the blood of Jesus, God's Son, purifies us from all sin. Walking with him in the light starts to purify that sin out of our life. It starts to wash it away. Now, well, if we claim, if you go to the other extreme and say, well, I've been a Christian for 34 years now, and I've stopped sinning for the last eight years, I am now perfect. And uh, someone did that with a famous Christian one time, and the famous Christian, I, I think it was, but, uh, well, let's say it was Spurgeon, because everybody says everything that was, that was Spurgeon okay, but somebody said to Spurgeon one time, I haven't sinned for... For three years, and Spurgeon threw a glass of water in the man's face, and the man swore at him. <laughs> and Spurgeon says, "Well, that's the end of that, then." You know the way when you get your run on the Bible app, and it says 13 days, and you think I'm spiritual, and it says <laughs> 14 days, and I'm super spiritual, and 83 days, and I'm more spiritual than anybody else in the hall. And then one day you forgot to turn the app on, and then you turn it on the next day, and it says nil. Are one. You're now on one. You're just. We're just all the same. Don't play games with God. You're not spiritual because you've got a super app on on, on your Bible app on your phone and you've you've had a run of two hundred or one thousand days or whatever it is. It could say something that you are walking with Jesus, of course. But when you walk with Him, there's two things happen. One you start to walk out of the dark and more in the light. And two, it shows up faults that you need to start dealing with. If you don't deal with them, you're a liar, by the way. If you don't take sin seriously in your life, it says here, you are a liar. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful And just and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we if we claim we have not sinned, we may come out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. In one sense, John seems to be saying two things at the one time. Don't walk in the darkness. You can't walk in the darkness and walk in the light at the same time. And then he says, but if you say you haven't sinned, you're a liar. And truth has no place in your life. Which one is it, John? It's both. You're like, you're like Paul. You were something. You are something. And you're becoming something. Let me read you that verse in 1 Timothy again. I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord that he has given me strength, that he has considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And I don't know if that's the verse I was really looking for this morning because he says in another place, and I need to the old brain, the, the old computers not running the way it used to run. You know, mm. the files are slowing down. Uh, but he says in another place, "I thank God. I, I'm not what I should be, but I thank God I'm not that what I once was." He's he's changing. Are you changing? Is your walk with Jesus producing a change in your life, or? Forgive me for saying this. Are you living a lie? Do you really? This is the Apostle John speaking. It's, it's not me, God's word. Do you really have a living relationship with the eternal? son of God, the one who lived in eternity before he entered this earth, the only reason he entered this earth was to take on the body of a man become flesh and blood so that he could live like us and then he would go and die for us as a man his hands would be pierced, that flesh and his feet and his side would be pierced and then he would rise from the dead and he would show those marks to his disciples and then in Revelation John says he saw him again he looked like a lamb that had been slain and here's an exciting thought this flesh and blood person lives in heaven right now interceding for you and he's the only person in heaven that has any mark of the fall on him because he took it all for you and right through eternity we'll 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 all get new bodies i am so glad But Jesus in heaven with his new body retained the marks of the cross and he'd be the only one for eternity that has any sign of that on him. And he took it all for you. Do you have a relationship with him? Search your heart. You made a profession when you were what age? You you said something in a hall, Howard down the road. Was that real? Have you grown since that? Is there signs of you walking in the light? I tell you what, there's many a day when I think, am I really in the light? John prayed it. I think, am I really saved? I had that thought. I have a desire to do that. Well, do you know what? Sometimes that's the light just shining in and saying, this is who you still are. That's what we need to be working on. But if you're just doing it habitually, if it's, if it's your complete lifestyle, and, and coming to church on Sunday, it's just a wee cover to cover the main part of your life, then question it. Because you need to run to this man, Jesus Christ, and ask for forgiveness of sin, new and fresh and real, maybe for the first time. My dear children, John says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let me make a statement. If Jesus was willing to leave heaven... To find us. We surely must be willing to leave our sin to follow him. If Jesus was willing to leave heaven, because he was the eternal Son of God, in heaven, If he was willing to leave heaven, to come to earth, to find us, then surely if we have met him, we should be willing to leave our sin to follow him. Or as Saint Augustine put it, love God and do what you like. Really, if you love God, then you start to do the things that please God. So love God and do what you like. But if you say you love God and you do anything but love God, then what's going on there? Let me just read this to you. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Anyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Maybe there's just one thing that I need to start saying to God. I really need to clean that up. I really need to sort that out. I am a follower of you. I thank you that you died on the cross for me. But this stuff is actually, it's, it's actually stealing all my joy. Sin, sin it promises you everything and gives you nothing. It just steals from you. And I pray like John does every day and I come to God and I confess my sin and I realise just how much joy that sin steals from me and then the tempter comes along and says well why don't we just all do it again and then we're back again and it just steals from us. Oh what joy we would have if, we, if, if having the hope of heaven for eternity because we're already eternal beings because he lives in us. We started to purify ourselves because we had that hope in us. And then when we get there, we will see him face to face and we will be like him. A few weeks ago, well, back in March Timmy turned 17, we couldn't get any driving lessons, so I got him on Jane's insurance on the wee car, and I took him out for a lot of driving around the roads. And uh, I'll tell you this, he's he's 17, and he never scared me once, really. I was in the car with one of my daughters the day after she passed her test, and I was going to jump out while it was moving. (laughs) But uh, he couldn't get any lessons until June. So when he got his lessons in June, Big Brendan used to come here, uh, said, I'll take you out for a trial. And he came back to me, and Big Brendan shook his head, and he said... Disaster, and I thought, oh no, what have I been teaching him? He's been learning all the rubbish I've been driving for forty years nearly. He must be the worst driver in the world. He says his use of the mirror is nil, and I thought it's not nil, but he's not doing the old stretching the neck and everything else that he should do. So Brandon worked on him just for six lessons, and then Brandon called me one morning as I was waiting on Timothy. And he said, come up here for a chat. And I said, what do you want? And he says, well, there's no cancellations in Orange, but you should take a punt on this. There's one in Newry. Do you want fancy an adventure on Thursday? I went, Newry? What anybody want to go to Newry for? He says, well, you only lose your £45 and the petrol money to Newry. And I calculated that. And the petrol money to Newry way outweighed £45. <laughs> uh, that was, well, that was £90 at least it was costing me. And it was going to be a gamble. And I don't normally gamble. For the, for the record, I don't normally gamble. Uh, but I said, OK, let's do it. And I took Tim up to Newry, and we were there two hours early, and we went down into the city in Newry. Can, can any good thing come out of Newry? Yes, the road to Belfast. It is the most awful place. So dro- we drove round it with Tim timidly timidly tim driving around uri and by the time it was test time he was in such a state that i thought what have i done i've wasted 45 pound in the test i've wasted 45 pound of petrol and he's going to fail anyway so off he went with the the examiner and i was sitting there lord please help him pass this test please lord help i couldn't think of him else to pray just please help him pass this test Please, please, oh, Lord, keep him running the stuff to pray, but please help him pass this test. And then I said, Lord, do you know what? I really, really loved him, but do you know what? You love him far more than I do. So, Lord, do what you want to do here. Do what's right. And as I'd prayed that, a big man walked out of the MOT centre, a big rough guy, a big farmer guy, and he, he said, someplace else, he says, can't get an MOT for loving their money and there's no cars in there but mine. And he started to talk to me about what he does and selling beef and all this stuff. And I he says, what are you doing here? And I says, my son's away out for a driving test. And after a while, I said to him, this is taking far more out of him than it is out of me, out of me than it is out of him. Uh, and I said, waiting on him is like, I remember looking at my watch, the test 40 minutes, and I thought that must be an hour now, and it was 10 minutes. And, uh, then I saw the wee white. I said, oh, there's the wee white car now, coming around the corner. And the big man says, oh, he says he must have done all right. The four corners are still in her." <laughs> and do you know what? The, the examiner told Tim to drive up into the, uh, into the disabled parking space. And I thought, oh boy, he must have really done badly. Uh, and then uh, Tim said, are you sure you want me to party? Tim said afterwards, he said to him, are you sure you want me to party? He said, just do it. And Tim thought, oh, I've really blown it. And then the guy turned around to him after, and, and I, Tim, they had masks on and, and I could see Tim's eyes rising. And the guy said to him, I'm glad to tell you you've passed your test. Well, do you know what? That day, my son went out as a learner driver. He, he was just a, a, a lad, a cub, as they call him in Fermanagh, and he, and he didn't have anything that, that made him legally a driver. But when he came back, he had a bit of paper that made him just the same as me. But he worked at that for months and weeks to get there. If you hope of getting to heaven, your hope's in Jesus. Anyone who has this hope in them purifies himself just as he is pure. Get to heaven. The journey starts now. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us the way we are, but you don't want us to stay that way. You want to change us. And in our eyes, and we know it, Lord, the the progress is very slow at times, but thank you that we can look back and see things that have changed. But yet in the present, we can see many things that need to change. Lord, search, search out hearts here this morning, and if there is someone who is living a lie, It is only by your Holy Spirit that you can point that out to them and tell them to run to the cross for salvation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.